Today we're going to talk about seven secrets of a spirit-led leader. And you know what? You might think, well, I'm not a leader of anything, or maybe you are. God says that all of us are leaders in some capacity. We're leading something. He's called us all to lead people to him. So anyway, I hope this is going to be helpful for you. Seven secrets. It's not really a secret because they're all right in here. They're here, but they're kind of secrets if you don't know what they are, right? So we'll open that up and see how we can apply those to our life. But before we do that, how about if we bow our heads? We'll start. Before we hear from the Word of God, let's just have a quiet time. Who knows what's on your heart? You bow your heads, and prayer is a two-way conversation. You might not have anything to say, but God will speak to you. You might want to say, God, I'm... I'm here. I want to hear from you. Speak to me, Lord. Thank you for hearing my my prayers. I need you. I need your help. Help me to help other people. Thank you that you're in control. As much as I know how, Lord, I will trust you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stopping to pray is a good thing, isn't it? It's a good thing to do. You know, the Bible says to do it, but if you don't really do it, it doesn't help you. Uh, My voice teacher, a long time ago, he said, you need to drink a lot of water all the time if you're going to sing. You need to be hydrated. My wife tells me, you need to be hydrated. She drinks a lot of water. How many of you guys drink a lot of water? You know what I do? I carry the water bottle around. But a lot of times I go, hey, wait, I haven't, I just took like a bird sip out of that thing. I haven't taken any water. I just hold the, the bottle. It's not going to help my body, is it? There's a lot of people that wear like Olympic gear now because it's the Olympics, you know, and they're like, they got the shoes or whatever, the outfit and stuff like that. But if you don't go out and train, and if you don't actually participate in the sport, you're not really like an athlete. You might just look like an athlete. Okay? And certainly if you were going to go to the Olympics, you'd spend a lot of time working at it. You know, you hear stories about, oh, man, there's just always, that's all they do with their life, and that's how they get that good at something. can't just talk about it, but we have to be doers of the word and try your best you might say it seems like it's very difficult for me to be patient i have a hard time with patience one of the best ways to to uh, work on patience is to just practice being patient Uh, i used to have a very very busy responsibility at saddleback church when i was their worship pastor i was there almost 25 years and we grew from I don't know, what was it? It was like 1,500 people, which is a lot of people when I got there, to uh, 23,000 people every weekend, which is a lot of people. But I was very, really tired. I had 1,500 people just on my team, just that I took care of. I pastored. They were on the music team or tech team or whatever. Big job. And I would be driving home many times. I'd drive home, and I'd go, oh, Lord, I know these five kids. I have five kids. My wife does too. Okay. They are going to want to play with me when I get home. They're going to want to talk to me, tell me about their day. I want to go to bed. 
I want to go sleeping. God, if I'm going to be a good father, it's going to be because you're helping me because I know I can't do it by myself. So before I go into that, and I would do it as I was driving up the street, I'd say, God, help me. Give me the strength to do it. And guess what? I'd open the door. They would jump me. It would be, let's go play basketball. Let's wrestle. Let's do all of this. And the Lord gave me energy. The Lord gave me energy because I trusted him. I've got five kids that love God. I'm so grateful for that. I grew up, I actually, my, my mom and dad split up when I was uh, three years old. They were really good parents, but they were, they were on either coast. Uh, my dad lived in California, my mom lived in New York City, and I'd go back and forth. I didn't know what it was like for the mom and dad to be in, in the house. I didn't know what that was. God help me. And you know what? There's all kinds of things that happen in our life that we don't really know how to do. But God helps. That doesn't mean you're weak. That just means we have access to the greatest power that's ever been. Somebody that still takes your phone calls. Anytime you talk to him, he'll pick up. Now, I have a son, my third son, Jordan. All my, my children have grown up, so my, my uh, oldest is 29. I had him when I was like 12. <laughs> Something like that. Something there. And then... Uh, and then my uh, youngest is 23. My, my middle son, I have four boys and one girl. Incredible princess girl. But my, my third son has had a really rough time. Phil, you were, you were saying you're praying for him. Thank you. Thank God for Facebook. You know, Facebook, a lot of people know how to pray, and they follow, and they very supportive that way. Anyway, my, my third son, he had open-heart surgery, his seventh open-heart surgery in his life. He had that in March. And my wife and I were at his bedside for 52 days. Now, you know, this is all I do now. I coach worship leaders. I'm with, with worship leaders and pastors every week. For 52 days, I was at the hospital. Those of you that know what it's like to work for a living, you know, you don't have like a job where they keep giving you money, but you actually, you have to generate your own money. Kind of thing. And that was just a joke, okay? I don't want anybody to take offense, but... but we trusted God, but I was at my son's side for 50. Anyway, he made it through that surgery, and it was tough. They actually thought, they said it's going to be a very risky surgery. Just, just warning you. I just want to prepare you. And I said, what does that mean? He said, well, we could open him up, and he'll just bleed to death. He could just bleed to death. We don't know if that will happen or not, but we're hoping it won't. And then they said, um, before the open-heart surgery, they checked everything out, everything from head to toe, and they found an aneurysm in his brain. And they said, you know what? You should take care of that too. And it's only like two millimeters, very small. But he said, you should take care of that. The doctor said that. So after he recovered from open-heart surgery, two months later, he had that. So this is all between now and March. So it's this period of time. So... Uh, Open-heart surgery, then brain aneurysm, and uh, then he had some complications after the brain aneurysm, and then some other complications. Matter of fact, we found him in his bed. His eyes were not following us. They're just, I don't know what that's called, but they're just like straight. And I didn't know what was up. I thought something happened with the brain surgery. And he said, Dad, I'm going to heaven today. 
I said, oh, no, son. He said, I love you. I love mom. I love all our, uh, I love my brother. And he started naming all the brothers off. Eyes not moving. And he says, and I'm going to get away from this crazy world. I'm going to go be with Jesus, away from all the politics. He actually didn't say politics. He named a name. But because we're in church, I'm not going to say <laughs> which candidates he was glad to be away from. But he was just saying that. And he doesn't like it when I watch the news or stuff like that. So you know, generally, I don't watch news when he's around because it stresses him out. Called 911. They flew him to San Diego, back to there. And they, uh, they figured out that he had a seizure, that it wasn't related necessarily to the brain. He's had seizures before that. And uh, maybe it was like staying up a lot because of recovering from the surgeries or whatever. He would, you need to... Anyway, you need to rest a lot when you're uh, subjected to uh, or susceptible to seizure. Anyway, so he got through that. And then just not this Friday, but the Friday before, he was just in the emergency room again. Now, since that time, they think that they've fixed him up. He's ready to go. Nothing life-threatening going on in his life. He actually went to the gym two times this past week. Not doing a whole lot. Okay, mind you, he can't lift more than five pounds. And he's not supposed to, like, run. But he was at the gym doing something. You know, like lifting little weights here and there. Just light. But it's been a rough go. I mean, I, I got to say, I, you've got, many of you have been through seasons where you've lost a loved one or you've had uh, horrendous illnesses and you know people that have. Um, I'm here to say that God was with us the whole way. Matter of fact, I don't know if I told you this story yet, Tiago, but there was a nurse that came in during the open heart surgery part. And she said, you know, I'm a Christian and I've been praying for all the staff here. There's a lot of people that aren't Christians that uh, physicians and nurses and stuff. She said, this is kind of like my mission field. I've been praying. And she said, you know what? The staff has been talking about your family and how they see something different in you guys. And uh, my son, uh, as he was coming to, he said, hey, Dad, is it okay if I, uh, you know, I tell the doctors that, you know, I'm grateful to God for healing me too? I mean, I'm grateful for them, but that God was helpful? And I said, absolutely. So as we were taking our little walks around the pod, he would, they'd say, hey, you're looking really good. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm grateful for you and I'm grateful for God. And as we were leaving, this one uh, doctor came by and he said, hey, you know what, I just want to tell you, I really appreciate uh, appreciate you guys. I'm so glad that you're doing as well as you are. And I'm sure that your faith had a lot to do with it. And he said it in a kind of a way like he wasn't a believer, but that it, w- it really moved him to see him trusting God. You can't fake trusting God. You can't. You can fake you're a Christian, but when something happens and it's not like really easy to get through, and, and you know, everybody knows you're not really trusting God. And then the other thing is some people, they say, you know, I really don't need God. I'm a strong person. But that's like saying, you know, I, I don't need a helmet when I ride a motorcycle or, you know, it's like that, you know, I can just drive crazy all the time because I'm a good driver. Like, mm. Uh, you know, people f- 
figure it out that the world is bigger than they are, even if you're a real strong person. And I don't feel like I'm a weak person. I feel like I'm just a lot stronger with God. And I don't mind trusting God because he's a lot smarter than I'll ever be. And he knows. He sees in a way. I'd like to sing this song to you. I wrote it when I was 21. And it was the first time as a Christian I'd ever gone through like a tough time, like a real tough season. And I was depressed. I don't know if any of you have ever felt depressed or like you didn't know what was going to happen in an hour or whatever. And that feeling that you have in your stomach, that it just, it just doesn't go away. It just feels like somebody ran you over or something. That was my first time as a Christian feeling that. And I wrote this song. Do you ever, ever wonder about guitar players? Like, like, do you have to tune the instrument? Or does it just, you buy it and it's tuned? Like, if you pay a lot of money for an instrument, do you ever have to tune it? The answer is yes. And I got this thing, it's like a, a little tuner, it's really cool, that it picks up the vibrations of the guitar. And it just tells you, you don't even have to be you know, a rocket science scientist to tune your guitar. And just, look at that, it just says, oh yeah, that's the note. Can you guys see it? A lot of people, a lot of guitar players, when they're out of tune, instead of tuning, they just play louder. A lot of people are that way, too. Did you know the Bible is like a tuner for our life? And instead of looking in there and going, hmm, maybe I could tune up a little bit, they just think, yeah, I don't really need any help, and they just live louder. Until you get to a, a spot where you go, this is not working. I need some help. When I need a friend Trouble's got me down I'll depend on Jesus to be my solid ground. When I get discouraged, the world takes away my smile. I'll just look to Jesus. He'll make it all worthwhile. And I know someday very soon He'll open up the skies. He will take me home. So when skies of gray come into my day, I'll turn to God above and depend upon His love. When you need a friend, trouble's got you down. Depend on Jesus to be your solid ground. 
When you get discouraged The world takes away your smile Look to Jesus He'll make it all worthwhile And I know Someday very soon He'll open up the skies He will take you home And so when skies of gray Come into your day Won't you turn to God above And depend upon His love And I know Someday very soon He'll open up the skies He will take me home And so when skies of gray They come into my day I'll turn to God above And depend upon His love So when skies of gray They come into your day Won't you turn to And depend upon And depend How good is God that we can depend on his love? We can depend on him. I want to talk to you about seven secrets of the spirit-led leader. Seven secrets that I found in the Bible. So they're not really secrets, but they're kind of like you have to read and have to look for it. And uh, good stuff. Seven secrets of spirit-led leaders. And let's, let's start with Number one, it's an acronym, by the way, if you want to remember, help re- remember this, it's going to spell leaders, okay? Leaders. Number one, leaders, spirit-led leaders learn to see. They learn to see. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, a lot of times we see the faults in other people because it's like really easy. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, that, that person, blah, blah, blah. Like they're driving, okay, but not our driving problems. We 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 have a tendency to. It's easier, and uh, easier to see it, but also easier to tolerate other people's problems than to think I got a problem. And it's very very uh, clear that Jesus said, first take the log out of your own eye. Because the Pharisees they were judging other people. And they say, hey, you know what? 
How about if you take the log out of your own eye before you try to take the splinter out of somebody else's? Because you can't see clearly until you deal with yourself. Spirit-led leaders first deal with themselves. Rather than try to fix the world, they go, I better figure this out. Then this verse, Colossians 4.2, it says, Be devoted to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. That's a great one to learn, too. Let me see if I have it. Be devoted to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Now, there's a lot of attitudes we could have at church. Uh, one is thanksgiving. But then there's other kind of attitudes that we've seen from Christians that is not really good advertising, Right? Like judgment or cynicism or being hypocritical. You guys saying, are you talking to me? Some of you guys say, don't talk like that. Let's talk about the sinners out there outside. We need to deal first with ourselves and go, hmm, be devoted to prayer. How am I doing on that one? How dev- what does that mean? When I took a marriage vow, we've been married 32 years. It's amazing. We got married when we were five. Okay. So anyway, we, 32 years of marriage. And uh, I, re- I remember watching one anniversary. We got out the videotape. Remember those videotapes? And we got it out, found the machine. And then we played this. And I, I, meant, I, I said to her, I will cherish you. I promise to cherish you. Now, I guess cherish and love are similar. But you can't just say you cherish somebody. You have to do it. Doesn't, it doesn't even mean anything if you say, I cherish you. Have a nice day. Cherish you later. You know, it's like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. So be, to me, to be devoted means that you have to think about it. You have to be like, like those Olympic athletes, again, that are like so like into what they do. We're devoted, as a Christian, we should be devoted to prayer. Well, implications of being devoted to prayer, you pray often, maybe, right? You'll learn about prayer. You read about prayer. A lot of people are reading about cancer. Well, that's important, or like weight loss. Or, and I, I wasn't looking at you, sir, when I said that. But, just, you know, so that's a joke. Okay, so, so we read about all kinds of things that we are devoted to, like fitness or whatever. That's good to be devoted to other things other than prayer. But don't leave prayer out of the equation. Prayer, again, is having a conversation, and you might not have anything to say, but you can listen. I learned that. My pastor said when you get married, it was a church kind of like this, and he said, you're going to come down the altar, and I'm going to say, the two shall become one. I go, okay, I got that. And he said, then during the marriage, you'll figure out which one. That was a joke. You're going to figure out which one. It's very important, though, that we think in terms of, huh, devoted to prayer. That means that I have to give some attention to it. And then keeping alert in it. What does that do? What does that mean? It's the promise about prayer. It keeps you alert. Wouldn't that be a good idea if we were alert? Okay, how many of you have seen people with their cell phones driving and texting or taking their picture, looking at, you know, whatever, you know. They're just, they're really into their phone. Okay. Have you ever seen that? Anybody? Okay, seen that. It's dangerous, isn't it? I mean, why would it be dangerous? Because you're not looking at the, the road. You're looking at this. When we're not praying, we can't see the spiritual road. 
It's like we're, we're, we're looking down instead of looking up and listening to what God has to say. And then all of a sudden, we go, oh, we avoid those kind of things. We can see it in a spiritual way. We can actually see what's going on. And then we have an attitude of thanksgiving. An attitude of thanksgiving. Let me get back to my little uh, keeping alert and, and the, uh, the texting. Have you ever seen a bumper sticker that says honk if you love Jesus? Have you ever seen that? It's kind of a corny thing, but people used to honk. Uh-uh, I love Jesus. Honk. My friend said, hey, you know what? You should have an additional bumper sticker that says text if you want to see him right now. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to be looking down because our eyes are not on the road. And being devoted to prayer, our eyes will be on the spiritual road, and you'll see all kinds of things. Spirit-led leaders discern. They have discernment. So they can see past like what it looks like. If any of you have kids, boy, you need discernment. If you're married, you need discernment. If you have a job, anything. If you're driving, you need discernment. Spirit-led leaders discern and it starts with yourself you figure out yourself first number two they envision the future spirit-led leaders envision the future what does that mean instead of looking just looking at things the way they are right now you think huh how could it be how could it be like i would like to be a dentist okay how would i do that i you know I got to learn to floss my own teeth first. You know, how would I do that? So you, you start planning this stuff out and you go, oh, and your dream, that's a dream. They envision what the future could be like. I envision that with my kids. I started thinking, what would it be like if they all loved the Lord? Wow, that would be great. How could that happen? No guarantees in life. There's none. No guarantees. But what could I do that would help them grow in their faith? I started thinking about the future instead of going, oh, these kids are nuts. These kids are crazy. I used to call them my linoleum lizards and then the curtain pullers and all that. I mean, it was like all over the place, a lot of energy with the kids. Instead of doing that, you go, hmm, how could things be? And you might have a situation right now that's not good. And you could dream and say, what could it be like? Life is not always easy. Anybody say amen to that? Life is not easy, but that doesn't mean that life is not good. God's given this gift to us for a reason. What are you going to do with it? Envision. And, and I'll give you a few things. First of all, he gave dreams to a lot of people, right? Like Noah, Abraham, Joseph in his dream, Nehemiah. He gave those kind of dreams to them. He'll give you a vision too. Give you a vision for your life, for what he wants you to do with your gift. Did you know everybody's got a superpower? Everybody does. You should be using it somewhere to help others, not just for yourself. Some people can sing. Some people think they can sing. Some people play instruments. Some people are good teachers. Some are encouragers. They're, uh, they're, uh, they have a gift of hospitality. You have a gift of science or mathematics or of just working with people. Everybody's got their superpower, and God wants you to use it. It's like you're the Avengers. Not everybody does everything well, but you might do one thing that can really contribute to the whole. Spirit-led leaders dream. They dream. Take time to dream. Some of us are way too busy in our life. We don't have time to dream. You need to dream. And have you ever been on an airplane and you see the, uh, 
the, um, they always teach you how to fasten your seatbelt. You know, those instructions. I always find that really humorous. I'm not sure why they're still teaching people how to put a seatbelt on. But, hey, here's, here's a seatbelt. And here's a Coke. This is how you open it, you know. And we want to make sure you're safe. Which I'm sure they have reasons for doing this, right? They want everybody to be safe. But then you got the, they always say oxygen mask. Oxygen mask comes on. What do they say? Put yours on first before you help other people. Before you assist the other people, you put your oxygen mask on first. They always tell you to do that. Because if you're a parent and you are like out on the floor, you're no good to your kid. You need to take time to do the things that are most important. And one of those things is dream. Then, third, adapt to change. Who likes change? Not a lot of people. I mean, I'm talking about when things change, not like loose change. I'm talking about, you know, when things change, uh, I'm not sure I like that. You know, I started losing my hair when I was like 18 years old. I wasn't sure I was up with that. You know, how come that's happening? Now I've realized it was a blessing. My daughter gets up three hours before I do to get ready for something. I'm like, I'm done. I look the same in the wind, you know. Lots of things are good about it. So, so let, let's just say there's a, you're on a beach and you see a tsunami. And you go, oh, there's a tsunami coming. Let's call a meeting real quick. I'm against it. I'm against the tsunami. We should, who wants a tsunami? You know, let's, let's talk about this. It's going to mess up the beach, you know, gonna, you know, all this stuff. It's inconvenient. Well, you could do that. Or you could run, head for the hills and say, I'm getting out of here real quick. Or you could learn to surf. Say, hey, got a big wave coming. I'm going to take advantage of the wave. The best thing you can do with change is to be an early adopter. Not everything's a good change. I'm not saying it's a good change. But you need to understand it and go, hey, you know what? This is where we are now. Be an early adopter and get off of it. Like I've got some plants in my garden. Tiago, when you come over, you're going to see that I've got these same plants and there's, there's a couple of them that are just sticks, but I keep watering them. And my wife says, you need to get rid of those sticks. I go, I don't want to get rid of those. I like those plants. They're going to come back. Honey, they're never coming back. Yeah, I, you know, I'm fertilizing them. It's a stick. It's been a stick for like three years now in the garden. She goes, okay. That's how some of us are about change. When something changes, we go, no, it didn't really change. I don't like change, so therefore it's not going to change. Hmm. Do you remember high school or junior high school? Anybody can still remember that? Okay, so they used to have dances there. I don't go out and party. I don't drink anything. Don't judge me, but I just don't do any of that stuff, okay? So anyway, but in high school, in junior high, of course you go to the dance, and it's like a social thing. And you have the girls on this side and the guys on this side, especially in junior high school. And uh, then the songs would come on, and like some of the songs were easy. Everybody could get out and dance. So when there's a crowd out there, they would dance. It was a good thing. Then some song would come on. Nobody knew how to dance to it. Zero. And everybody go, this is the time, go get something to eat or do something else. Because I, I, you know, what I noticed is that the real dancers, they never left the floor. Didn't matter what song was playing. And here's what I want to suggest to you. In your life with Christ, it doesn't matter what's thrown at you, but you and Christ can make it through it. Adapt. Move on. Be productive, even during change. And it's, sometimes it's very difficult. 
Dare to trust. That's the next one. Dare to trust. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. You know who said that? Martin Luther King. You need to dare to trust. Trusting God is not that easy. It's not always easy because you can't really, you're not exactly sure what's happening. When I, when I come to a microphone and I'm going to uh, check the microphone, instead of saying testing, testing as if I'm going to test God at church, I always say trusting. Trusting, one, two. It's kind of like my motto. I'm going to trust God as much as I know how. I don't know everything, neither do you. But when we trust God as much, he works it out. He works it out. So dare to trust God. Spirit-led leaders dare to trust God, and they don't give up. Maldezista. They don't give up. Then they encourage others. Spirit-led leaders encourage others. You know how some people say they want to worship service? What they really mean is they want to worship serve us. It's all about me. All about me. This, this life is all about what I get out of it, my pleasure, what's in it for me. Okay? That's America. That might be a lot of the world. Not every part of the world is that way. It's not. If you travel, you don't see that everywhere. But it tends to be that way in uh, where I live, Orange County. A lot of that is just like, so what does that mean to me? I remember a guy lost his job. It was, it was terrible. He lost his job, and he didn't know what he was going to do. And this guy that was working with him said, you know what the bad part about this is? I may lose my job. He could care less about that person that just lost his job. We need to encourage others. We need to spend time encouraging. Somebody sent me this, uh, gave me a little card, and it, it had this scripture verse on it that said, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You want to be encouraged? Encourage other people. Encourage other people. First uh, Corinthians 13, you know, that's the love chapter. If It says, if I could do anything, and it says, if I could, if I could leap, Tall buildings in a single bound. Actually, it doesn't say that. But if I could do all these things, move mountains into the sea, if I could do all that, and I don't have love, I'm worthless. My life is worthless. If you're in a relationship and you don't have love for that other person, it's a dead, drying, dying relationship. You be the first one to start loving. Encourage other people. And then I have two more. Reproduce themselves. Spirit-led leaders reproduce themselves. What does that mean? Well, of course, my wife and I did that. We have five kids. And I'm encouraging Chiago to join the club. He's only got two. But he's blessed, and he's, he's, he's doing very well. You think you're going to jump into five? Okay. I, th- I think you should. Okay, so what you have heard from me in the presence of my, many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You need to share what you know. You don't have to know everything. Just share what you know. You know what? I went through a hard time, and then I, I was praying, and I really felt God made a big difference. Say that to other people. Reproduce yourself. Spirit-led leaders, they disciple others. And the last one, spirit-led leaders, they sacrifice the most. question is, do you want to be a spirit-led leader? Romans 12, 1 through 2 is a great passage on what worship is. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He wants you to be a living sacrifice. And then Philippians 2.17 is talking about this teacher that says, even if I'm poured out like a drink offering, it's like, boop, gone, like a drink offering. Even if I'm poured out as a drink offering upon a sacrifice, a sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you. Of course, Philippians 3.8, it says, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing view of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. What are you holding on to that's more important to you that you think is better than Christ? I'd encourage you to take your closed fist and just open it up and say, God, you can have it. What I want is as much as I know how I want you. Would you bow your heads... You know, it's very possible that someone in here needs a prayer. Let me pray with you. Father God, I pray for these folks. Some of them have some real troubles. Lord, I pray that they would have peace knowing that you're with them and they're not alone. I pray for the person in here or people in here that have never asked you to come into their life. And I pray that they do that today. As much as they know how, they would trust you. They'd say yes to you. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God, and I believe that I have sinned. I'm not perfect, but that you can save me, and I ask that you do that. You'd come into my life. Lord, I pray that others would find, find a way to do what you say, not just listen to it, whether it be prayer or encouraging people, loving people, giving, serving. And Lord, that they would trust you enough to do that. That you would be glorified and that their lives would be benefited as well. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.